Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Now, just a quick question. Like, I remember when I lived in Victoria, they had these ads about Queensland, and they would talk about this thing called beautiful one day, perfect the next. Now, is anyone else noticing it seems to be raining one day, raining the rest of the week? Like, and why does it have to rain on weekends of all times, all right? It's, okay, it's just me, it's fine. Hey, um, I just wanted to start off with a quick survey. We all know that I love surveys, a little bit of crowd participation. And so I just got two quick questions. One, who's a night person? All right, who's a morning person? All right, all right, so night people. All right, morning people. I'm just trying to work out who I talk to after church, that's all. I just, now of, of the night people, who is a little bit like me at times? Like, you're a morning person after your fourth cup of coffee, third Red Bull, and it gets to about 11 o'clock. Yeah, okay? All right, all right. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to age myself and alienate part of the, the congregation here. So let me just, I risk that. But, but how many of us here are a little bit like me? Like, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I found myself in a weird predicament. Like, I, I, I kind of I go to bed, I probably go to sleep about 11.30 at night, and I'm up at about 6 a.m. with the kids in the morning. But, but I need to confess something. This is where I'm going to alienate. I need to confess something. I never used to be like this. Like, I was always the night person with, you know, the morning person up for four cups of coffee, three Red Bulls and 11 o'clock. I was that person. But I think as I've got older... As I've got older, like I've found myself waking up that little bit earlier. And I just, just needed to quickly check, Daniel, like with old people, is this what happens when we get to this? Yeah, okay, 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 that's what I thought. See, whether you're a morning person or a night person, none of us love when the alarm goes off in the morning. You know, that ding, 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 or whatever, whichever particular alarm. Or if you're like me, if you've got a wife who likes to ignore the alarm, maybe not just once, maybe a couple of times, and so I'm the one having to turn her alarm off. Is there any other husbands that are a little bit, yeah, okay, there's, there's a few of us. We'll pray for each other and hug afterwards. It's fine, it's fine. Over this series, we've been looking at these letters that Jesus spoke to the Apostle John, and he wrote down, he wrote down seven letters to seven different churches at the, at the beginning of Revelation. Now, we've only looked at five of them, but we looked at, we started off this series looking at the church of Philadelphia, and, and, it, and it talked about that Jesus was saying to that church, he was saying to them, hey, what I want you to understand, what I want, I'm so proud of you over, is that you're a faithful church church. He then talked to the church in Laodicea, and, and he said to that church, you're a complacent church. He then spoke to the church in Ephesus, and he says, you know what I love about you? I love that you've got a love for people, but I want to, I want to poke you, and I want to prod you and say, you know what? Whilst you loved people, you have you've fallen out of love with people and with me. And then last week, we looked at the, the church in Pergamum. And, and we, we looked at this church, and Jesus said to that church that they were church 
of compromise. And so we're going to finish this series this morning looking at the church of Sardis. And so Jesus writes this letter to the church of Sardis, and in a sense, he calls them to two words. He calls them to wake up. Now, as I said last week, you know, if we interviewed my kids after the service and said, okay, you could eat two foods for the rest of your life, pizza or or Brussels sprouts, we all know which one the kids would go for, and that's not the Brussels sprouts. Now, I just want to do a second, like, survey. Uh, All those in favor of Brussels sprouts. Who loves Brussels sprouts? Dear Jesus, forgive them, for they know not what they eat. Anyway. See, the reality is, is we could all live on either one of those, you know, pizza or Brussels sprouts, but we know which one would make us healthy. You know, last week I made a statement. I said, I can only take you where you're willing to go. So let me pray this morning. Dear the Father, I pray, Lord, as a, as a community, God, that we will be willing to go where you want us to go. God, I pray this morning in this place, God, that your Holy Spirit might be stirring. God might be moving in these places, in these moments that we have together. Lord, I pray that this morning we won't hear my voice, but we might hear your still small voice into us, reminding us that you're a good Father. God, you're a good God who gives good gifts to his kids. And so God, I pray this morning, God, I pray this morning that together, we might go where you want us to go. God, this morning we take a moment. God, this morning we make a decision. God, that we will go there because you've got best intentions for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to open up your Bibles to Revelations chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And it goes like this. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what what little is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold firm to it." Repent and turn to me. If you do, wake up, I will come to you suddenly. Sorry, if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly and unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some among you in the church of Sardis who have not spoiled their clothes with evil. They walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious are clothed in white. I will never erase their names through the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and my angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. Let me just rewind back to the the beginning or halfway through verse 1, and it says this, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Have you ever had one of those moments? Have you ever had one of those moments where you think you're doing really well? 
I remember it was about grade five, or possibly it was grade four, one of those two, grade four or grade five, we had a swimming carnival at school. Now, I didn't love swimming. Like, I, I endured swimming, but I loved playing land sports. And so, anyway, I, I somehow found myself into, um, into, into 25-meter breaststroke. And so I was like, okay, we can do this. We can, we can work this out together. And so I jumped in the water, and we're all, you know, we're all sort of, with the, the, the walls behind us, and the little gun thing, cat gun, went off, and we off we went. And all, I, I kind of got about, you know, maybe about 10 meters into it. And all I could hear was people yelling. And I looked around, and I couldn't see anyone next to me. And I thought, I'm nailing this. I was like, you know those moments where you're like, I'm winning. Like, I don't even like to swim, and I'm winning. And I'm like, and I'm on my way, and I can hear. And as I got further and further down, the voices began to erupt even more around me. And I'm thinking, I'm about to win, like, break some Guinness Book of World Records or something. Like, this is the greatest moment in my life. And I, and I get to the end, and I turn around, and everyone else is only like halfway down the, 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 the pool. And I'm like, on oh, my hand are in the air, and then one of the, one of the teachers leans over to me and goes, Dave, mate, that was, um, that was really great, but um, that was supposed to be breaststroke, and you did freestyle. <laughs> you ever had those moments where you think you're doing so well, and then someone drops a truth bomb, and I had gone the whole 25 meters in the wrong stroke, but I did win. Like, that's all that matters. It's just about the destination, people. Have you ever had one of those moments where you think you're doing better than you actually are, and then someone drops a truth bomb? I wonder if, I wonder if the church in Sardis thought they were doing so incredibly well. I mean, what we got to understand that the, the church in Sardis had acquired a name for itself. I mean, they, 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 had a well, they had a great name in their local community and all around our city. They were the church that was known. It was a, they had a reputation for being a progressive church that had spread wide and far, not just within their city, but every one of the other six churches that Jesus writes to had heard the same good news or seemingly good news about their church. You know, where everyone, everyone who came through the doors would not just be welcome, but they would leave going, there's something about that church. There's some life and there's some vibrancy about that church. There's something about what God is doing in that place. And no doubt it appeared like that. And every, and the congregation was, was no doubt quite large for those days. And it was growing, and there was a lot of different ministries, and there was a lot of different events going on. I'm not sure if they had the Christmas in July and June event, but that's just ours. You know? and, and so they, they had all of these things going on. There was no shortage of money. There was no shortage of talent and human resource. And they had every, every, every on the outside, on the surface, they had every indicator of life and vigor within their church. But see, the, the city of Sardis was a city of past splendor and present decay. See, at its highest point, Sardis was an affluent, large, profitable city that was a, that was a, a financial hub of the region. And bef- but then it was conquered by Alexander the Great and Antonius the Great in 1817. And then it was devastated by earthquake. And then it was finally rebuilt and it was finally Remade. But have you ever noticed that remakes 
redos are never quite as good as the originals. Let me illustrate my point. Who's seen the new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? You know, who's seen the old one? Okay, let's go with that one. Now, who's seen the new one? The new one with Johnny Depp, and it just gets really, really weird. I mean, how many of us know the original one is always the best? You know, I mean, you think about it, you know, you've got Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious. It's just weird. It's not as good as the original Fast and Furious. Three people nodding ahead with that one. Okay, that's good. The spiritual ones. You know, and so we know that somehow the original is always better than the remake. And it was the same as Sardis. See, Sardis was rebuilt, and it was finished and it was flourishing, but it wasn't quite as great. It wasn't quite as good as it once was. You see, the city of Sardis never quite regained its former glory. And and Jesus talks to the church in this city that was trying to be something that it just wasn't. And Jesus here comes to them and he drops a truth bomb. And he says to the church in Sardis that while everyone else in the community is looking at your outside and it looks really good and it looks really impressive and it looks fantastic, from God's perspective, the church is dead. And although Jesus writes a letter to a church in a context, in a season, in a time, in a city called Sardis. Jesus still writes this letter to us today. And see, here we find Jesus writing this city, writing this letter to a church in a city who is living off its past fame and glory. And that same spirit had begun to infiltrate the church and affect the church. And although Jesus writes this letter to this time and this place, he still writes it to us today. And I want to suggest to us this morning that maybe more than any other letter that we've looked at, that I kind of wonder if this is one of the biggest challenges that I face, that we face, that you face. See, God has done so much in our church, hasn't he? You know, in the last four years, we've seen so many people come through the doors of this building. Seen so many of our friends and our family and our relatives come to know Jesus for the very first time. We've seen God do miraculous signs and wonders. We've seen people who would never step in the doors of a church find that this is a place where they can belong and they can believe and they can go on a journey. We've seen God do so much here. You know, we started with high expectations or high hopes. We started with high and incredible faith in a God and a passion to reach the lost. In fact, we, we, we began with such a passion for the lost that we would do anything short of sin to reach them for Jesus. And God has done so much here. And yet, I reckon if you're anything like me, it's so easy to slip. It's in complacency and comfortableness and live on our past laurels. But see, this doesn't just apply to us as a church. It actually applies to us personally. See, do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Do you you remember that moment? I remember that moment sitting at a Youth Alive event at 18 years old. And I remember saying to God, God, my life is a tragic mess, and if you can use it for something, then God, it's all yours, but I think I broke it. Do you remember that moment when you said yes 
to Jesus for the first time. And how easy it is that we settle for what God has done in our past. And we no longer look forward to or we get complacent and comfortable. But you see, we're not the only ones that found ourselves or find ourselves in this situation. See, the church in Sardis, as I said, had been living off their past fame and what God had done, and they'd fallen asleep in their faith. But let's jump to verse 4. Let's read verse 4 together, and it says this, Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, many of you know that I'm a car guy. Like, I love working on cars, tinkering with cars, cleaning cars, or doing really anything to do with cars. And so, and so I, about six months ago, Shadi said to me, she said, babe, can you go and wash the car? And I said, I can go and wash the car. And so I, I, I kind of detailed and I washed the car and I, and I had the moment where it was kind of like the big reveal, like the door, I flung the door open. I'm like, babe, come and have a look. You know, she comes out and I was, and I was hoping that kind of like I would, I would be met with a grand gesture of a big hug or maybe a sloppy kiss, but you know, that's for later. Anyway, and, 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 and I was kind of hoping for that. And Shadi walks out to the car and she opens the door. She closed the door, she looked at me and goes, it's not clean, and walked off inside. <laughs> now the challenge was, church, I just hadn't got to the inside, but the outside was shiny. You know what, church, as much as we laugh, <laughs> over the last six months, I honestly can't shake that moment. Not because Shadi hurt me because the car was clean, anyway, whatever. See, God has begun to do a, a work and a challenge in me. You see, as I, as, I, as, I, as I reflected on those words and those words of time and time again echo and, 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 and ring through my ears, it's, it's not clean on the inside. God's been challenging me with that. Dave, what are you more concerned with? The outside or the inside? You see, we all, there's two types of people. There's those who focus on the outside and there's those who focus on the inside. For six months, God's been stirring and challenging and poking and priding me to go, Dave, I want to challenge you with this one thought. Where is your focus? See, the context for Sardis was that it, was a, it had a significant wool industry. And so therefore, it had a significant wool industry, which then significantly meant that they had a, a significant fashion or, or clothing industry that would use the wool that was produced in that particular or around that particular city. And, and the culture of the day meant that because they had the wool, because they had the clothing, they then found themselves preoccupied with their outward appearance. And Jesus comes to them and he says, I don't care about your outside, I care about what's your inside. I'm not particularly concerned with what you look like on the outside. I'm more concerned about your inner purity and your inner lives. But see, there was a few and Jesus said there was a few who remained faithful to Jesus and are untainted, unimpacted by the culture. And the challenge for us today is what do we care about? Do we care about our outside 
Because Jesus cares about our inside. See, how do I know then? I know this because just like you, well, potentially you, I wrestle with this and I struggle with this just as much as you do. And I know this because we live in a culture and a society that is so much about image, don't we? Uh, we live in a society where, where over the last couple of years in everything we've been through, we've spent so much of our time and energy and resource trying to look like on the outside we've got it all together. You know, on the, on the outside of everything that we've gone through, the lockdowns and the lockouts and the lock things and whatever else that's been going on, we've spent so much of our time trying to keep the externalness of our bodies and, our, and, our, and what we feel like and what we look like together. But as I talk to so many people, as I look in the mirror, so many of us are worn out and we're tired and we're busy and we're anxious and we're worried and we're stressed and we're burnt out because we've spent all of our energy and all of our focus just trying to keep it together on the outside so we portray a certain image and we look like, well, although it might be a little bit broken, a little bit tired on the inside, I look like I've got it all together on the outside. And Jesus is writing to us. He's writing to us today, just like he was writing to the church back then. And he's saying to us, you might look impressive on the outside. You might look like, I might look like I've got it all together. But the good news is that I don't care about what it looks like on the outside. The good news is that I don't care what you look like. But he challenges and he says, because on the inside you're dead, you're dry, you're barren, and you're empty. But in verse 2, it all begins to come together. And verse 2, it says this. Jesus says, wake up, strengthen what little remains. Just pause there for a second. This morning, I just there's someone here that needs to receive that word. Not that, not that you've got it all together and that you feel like you're, you're serving or you're living out of an overflowing cup, but it feels like this morning you've got just a little bit left. Maybe like a communion cup with an awkward rip top. You've just got that much left. And Jesus is saying to someone here who feels like they've just got, and that's all you've got, and you're tired, and you're exhausted, and you're weary. He's saying to you, wake up and strengthen what little remains. For even what is left is almost dead. See, I... What I find so intriguing is that the church in Sardis was almost dead, but they didn't even know it. But listen to the words of Jesus' prompting. Listen to the words of Jesus' response. He doesn't come in hammering and, and throwing stuff and everything else. He comes in with, you can imagine, with arms open wide, and he implores them to wake up before it's too late. See, for a long time, they'd been building, they'd been trying to build a temple in the city of Sardis. They'd been trying to build this temple and they'd kind of done spits and spurts and starts here and starts there and they kind of got distracted and they did a little bit and it's kind of like a caravan at the moment, trying to renovate this old caravan and then it keeps raining and raining and raining and 
raining. It's not in the rain. Anyway, you know, and so the church inside us was a little bit like that. They tried to do little bits and pieces, but they got distracted. And they abandoned the work of God in this city before it was finished. See, for us this morning, the challenge is that we don't abandon the work of God in our lives before it's finished. Because Jesus says, he calls to us and implores us, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep holding on, Jesus. I'm here. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, the, the church inside us, and the city of Sardis, their situation might have seemed dire, but it was not hopeless. See, Jesus can resurrect what is dying, and he can bring to life what's decaying. If we just wake up and we shift our focus off of churchianity and onto Christianity. See, Jesus is looking for people who aren't just, just, just sold out for the church, who aren't just kind of going around doing the rituals, going to the program, ticking the box, doing the things. He's, he's not looking for Christians who are just sold out and hungry for churchianity. He's looking for Christians who are sold out and hungry for Christianity. Who are going, you know what, God, I want more of you. God, I need more of you. God, I want to see you alive in my life like never before. God, I want to see a move of the Holy Spirit in our church and in my life like I've never experienced before. God, I want to see you do things. I want to see you change. God, I want to see you minister to me. God, I want to see you breathe life into the dead bones once again. God, I want to see you bring revival to my life. God, I want to see you bring revival to my family. God, I want to see you bring revival to our city. God, I want to see you bring revival to our nation. See, it's not about churchianity. It's about Christianity. It's about us being hungry for Christ. Not settling for the status quo, but hungry for the Holy Spirit. Hungry to see God do more in my life and in your life. See, as I reflect over the last couple of years that we've all been through and through COVID and through everything else, I reckon that the church and, and, and people who have called themselves Christians have fallen into four categories. There's the church leavers. The church leavers are the people who, when, when, when we kind of fell out of routine of being able to meet together, they kind of just accidentally slipped away or intentionally slipped away and walked away from their faith because it kind of wasn't built around, you know, coming on a Sunday or going to life group or going to a prayer meeting or whatever it was. And they and found themselves falling into that church leavers category. Then there's the church cleavers. Church cleavers are the ones that just kind of wish we could just get back to where we were with the programs and the busyness and the things and the stuff and the stuff that are going on. And it's religion, not relationship. But then there's the Christ followers. The ones who say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm, I've had enough of churchianity and I want more of Christianity. God, I just need more of you. God, I need more of you in my life. God, I need more of, I need a greater connection with you. God, I, I, got a hunger, I want a newfound desire and passion, a hunger for you. And then there's the Christ seekers. See, the Christ seekers are the ones when the, the, the church leavers are walking out the door, they were the ones that have walked in the door of this building. They're the ones that maybe never thought they would step in the doors of a church. 
And they found themselves coming into the church again. And while people were exiting their faith, they're walking into a faith with Jesus. And they're realizing that, that with everything they've been through and tried and dabbled in and gone through, that, that there is a God that loves them, no matter what they've done or who they are, and the mistakes that they've made. And so while some are checking out, there's a whole flood of people that are checking in, going, there's something about this Jesus and I don't even know what it is, but I want to know more. Church, which one are you? Church lever, church cleaver, Christ follower, or Christ seeker? And Jesus says to the church levers and cleavers, he implores them and he says, guys, it's time to wake up. Then verse 3 goes on to say this. So go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come suddenly and as unexpectedly as a thief. I love this verse here because finally Jesus gets to some how-tos. Like I'm a guy and I'm a practical guy. And I love this verse because Jesus gives us three tools to re-engage and to come back and to wake up again. The first one, he just says, I want you to repent. He just says this, all I want you to do is I just, I just want, to, I want you to acknowledge where you are. You don't need to feel bad about it. You don't feel convicted about it. You just need to acknowledge where you are. He then says, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to what you heard and what you believed. In other words, I want you to remember. Do you remember a time in your life? Do you remember a time in your life where your walk with God was more alive? Where it was more involved, you were more involved, you were more excited, and you were more in love with Jesus? Do you, do you remember those moments where you would sit looking at a, at a sunrise, or if you're a, if you're a night person, a, a sunset, because you've never seen a sunrise? You know, have you, have you ever you know, had those moments where you... Maybe you look at your, your kids or your spouse or someone significant to you. Maybe you just look at the, the waves crashing onto a beach. And in those moments, you realize how amazing and beautiful God is. Philippians 4 verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what lovely whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. Do you remember the joy? Do you remember the excitement of when you first gave your life to Jesus? For some of us, it might be so long ago that you can't remember. And so I want to trigger those memories and I'm going to invite up Max this morning, and he's going to share his story so that we can remember what God has done. So Max, thanks for coming and sharing your story with us. Will you uh, share your story with us? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was about uh, six, and I, I, I grew up in a in a spiritual household, I guess, but not one that was um, Christian by any means. Um, 
My grandma was Christian, and she visited every now and then, but it was kind of just... My dad has a couple of different uh, predispositions for mental illness, and part of his spiritual walking was um, some creative substance use. Um, and one day, he uh, he had uh, an episode of sorts that um, eventually led to him um, taking someone's life. Um, and then he was he was uh, put into a, a mental institution. Uh, moved from New South Wales to Brisbane uh, and ended up living with that grandma uh, for a little bit. Um, we always stayed in close contact with her. But I grew up without um, a father um, and the knowledge that you know, my, my dad had done this thing. And, um, you know, as I grew, I, I didn't think it affected me that much. I was like, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's whatever. This was the new normal. But... Um, you know, as, as a kid, you don't understand how identity works or how formation works. And so I found myself just being really angry at people and um, angry because they had this thing that I, that I didn't. And another thing that I did was I just I sought attention from from everyone. I, 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 I spoke I spoke with a horribly foul mouth um, and just out of turn and just just cruel towards people I didn't like and cruel towards my friends as well. Eventually, I started going to a Christian school, but I didn't like, I didn't buy it that much. Um, and eventually, I started, uh, you know, as a way to kind of numb the pain and get attention from my more sheltered friends. I started doing drugs as well. And uh, on a particular night where I went a bit over the top with it, uh, I had a really bad uh, paranoia attack. And I was hearing voices I didn't want to hear, and I was like, Ah, this is how it happened for Dad. And that was my wake-up call. And I called out to God, and he answered. And, you know, it wasn't, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a quick journey, but it's, you know, he took away that, that need to, to have people's attention. He took that away that need to numb the pain. He took away that anger. Um, you know, he's just filled me with a, with a love for people and a, and, a, and a love for his church and a love for him. And um, just an understanding that I'm his son. I don't need all the outside stuff. Uh, I don't need to. I don't need to get angry at other people for for this thing because I'm not actually. I'm not missing anything. You know, it's not a competition now. Max, thanks for sharing your story and being really vulnerable with us. Thanks for allowing God to use your journey and all the things that you've been through. And yet, I reckon as a church, we would never know that that's, that's the journey that Max has gone to to get up here every Sunday. You know, that we wouldn't know the, the story behind, you know, seeing you stand up here this morning and lead worship and say, hey, you know what, we're going to call that to a God who's good. And yet you've lived a life that has not necessarily been good. But then in the midst of your pain, you found Jesus. And he's changed you to someone that we wouldn't, rec I don't know if we'd recognize the old, the old Max. Because we can only see what God has done and the life transformation that's happened in you. And now is leading us as a church, as a campus to worship. So mate, thank you so much for sharing your story. I asked Max to share that 
Because we need to remember, don't we? We need to remember what God is doing, but also what God has done. And the last thing that Jesus says, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to repent. Acknowledge just where you are. I need you to remember what you've heard, what you've believed. I just need you to just remember, to go back. And last thing he says, I want you to hold on to me. Jesus is simply saying, you know what, you can do all of these things, but without me, they're kind of pointless. What you need to do is you need to hold on to me. What struck me during the week is talking with a friend of mine who's somewhat older than me. And we're talking about the journey of the last couple of years. And he made a statement that's really stuck with me. He said, you know what happened, Dave? In World War II, so many people went to concentration camps and died for their faith. The last couple of years, a flu came. And so many people have abandoned their faith. And as I, as I thought through that, and I was thinking through this passage, going, you know what, it's so true that today in our day and age, we so, we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. When we find ourselves in spots where we, we find it so hard to hold on to things at moment whether it's a relationship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a person, whatever it might be. And yet Jesus here is simply saying three things. This is what I want you to do. I just want you to repent. Acknowledge where you are. I want you to hold on, grab hold, remember what you heard and what you believed. And he says, I want you just to hold on to me. See, the gospel, the good news that Jesus died on a cross three days later was, a resurre was resurrected for us is the good news. It is the gospel, it is the power to save. It is the power to change people's lives like Max, like mine, and like so many of you here this morning. And verse 5 finishes with this. And he says, all who are victorious, we're clothed in white. And I will never erase the, your names, their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that you are mine. Listen to those three words this morning, church, what Jesus finishes with. The one day we'll stand before God and He says, can you imagine this moment where Jesus points at you and he points at you and he says, you're mine and 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 you're mine. See, in ancient cities, in ancient civilizations, Every city, every city would have a book. They would have a register. And in that book would be every living person in that city. And when you died, your name would be erased out of that book. But Jesus here is reminding them. He's reminding them to hold fast in their faith to Him. That not even if you hold fast to Him, not even your death will be able to separate you from Him. 
that not even death will be able to separate you from his love. John chapter 11 verse 25 says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, Jesus can bring back, he can bring back to life what was dead. He can bring new life into decaying and unfinished people and situations. And maybe COVID has put on hold the work of God in your life. Maybe he's put on hold a work in our city. But Jesus is calling us, he's imploring us back to him to say, hey church, it's time to wake up again. It's time to wake up again. It's time to look to me again. It's time to remember again. It's time to acknowledge where we are. It's time to, to remember and it's time to hold on. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head